Hi there, I'm Birgit O'Connor and welcome to the World of Watercolor Painting Podcast. I'm so excited that you're joining us today. We've got a wonderful artist, Tony White out of Tasmania. He's got a great story, he's down to earth, and he does beautiful paintings. We'll be talking a little bit about his creative journey and how he left a reliable job to follow his dream and become a successful watercolor artist. And I also think you're going to find it fascinating to see how he was working on a painting and his young daughter came in and decided to paint all over it. It was cerulean blue. He ended up lifting most of that color out, turned it into a beautiful landscape and sold it. We'll be talking about the materials that he uses. And he actually told me about a brush that I never thought of or used before. I'd also like to say hello to some of our listeners in South Africa, Kenya, Venezuela, China, Iran, and Finland. And if you're looking for more information, you can always visit my website at beergetoconnor.com. Now let's get started. Hi, Tony. Uh, it's so hello. nice to meet you. And um, so what we've got is Tony White here with us today. And so, Tony, why don't you tell us where, where you're coming from? Um, I am here coming to you from Hobart in Tasmania, Australia, where I live now with my family only for the last few months. So, yep. Where did you live before then? Um, in Newcastle, up in a different state on the mainland. So, um, for those geographically challenged out there, Tasmania is a little island off the bottom of Australia and um, still, still Australia, but it's, it's, a, it's a little island. But, um, and I used to live on the mainland up in halfway up, just above, just north of Sydney um, and lived there my whole life. But the family and I moved down here because we love it down here. And uh, yeah, things are starting to gain momentum and yeah, we love it, it's great. Well, your work is gorgeous and it's stunning and you have a lot of passion in there. So when I saw your work, absolutely, I was really interested. And um, actually, I'm thinking, let's just kind of take a look at, to, just to give everybody a glimpse of what you have right now. And uh, so we have, you know, I want to go over your brushes and all this, but let's just show them the kind of work that you do. And what I wanted to do is I, I want to hear, I don't want to hear your story about your paintings yet. I want yeah. to hear about you and how you got started. Uh, because I don't think you, have you been painting that long? Well, yes and no. Um, I started, I, I mean, I always drew as a kid. I drew pictures and, you know, it was never a fantastic, like it wasn't a natural thing, but I was probably, you know, a bit better than, you know, the kid next to me or something like that. So I was, I was never, you know, I could never render anything, you know, realistically or anything like that, but it was always fun. Um, I could get things roughly right with perspective and shapes and stuff, but that kind of parlayed into um, watercolor painting when I was a teenager and a lady, uh, an elderly lady from the UK moved next door to us and became friends with my mum and she was a watercolorist and uh, she actually got me my first, this, how's this for an introduction? She got me my first set of watercolors and they were a set of Winsor & Newton artist grade paints with a proper enamel palette and everything. So um, I didn't know how good I had it then just from starting out with that. 
So maybe that had, I had some good results and uh, maybe that had something to do with it. But, um, but yeah, painted with her for a long time. So she had a studio next to uh, her little place and um, I was in there all the time with her and we painted and she sort of taught me a fair bit. That was over a period of a couple of years, I think. Um, and I always played music as well, play guitar and sing and all that sort of stuff. And I still do to, to make money now, I still do gigs now. Wow. Um, that kind of, that sort of took over for a long time, probably 20 years or so. Um, and uh, probably it was, I got back into, I mean, I'd always sort of dabbled on and off with acrylics and oils and everything. And um, that was just, I was too impatient for, well, either of those really, too impatient, especially for oils. I didn't want to wait three weeks before I could do the next bit. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just, just one of those things. Um, it's probably about seven or eight years. Oh, no, maybe six or seven years ago, I um, just started. I got a set of watercolour pencils and I just started drawing and mucking around with them. And then I probably it was only a matter of a week and I just went and, um, went all out and got materials and started painting again. And uh, oh, probably within probably within six months or so, I sold a painting. And that, like, it was, I mean... If I was to look at that painting now, it's incredibly embarrassing. I think it's on my Facebook page somewhere from back in the day. But it's, um, and that sort of really spurred me on. So, and I've just been obsessed by it ever since. Um, I mean, I was back in, in the day, but this, yeah, it's, I live and breathe and dream about painting and <laughs> to the point where it's annoying. <laughs> but, uh, I know it's like I'm driven, right? It's like a mission and it's all I think about and all I want to do and all I want to share. And I thought, you know, and like you, I see that you do teach also. I know for myself what it was is all I really wanted to do is just be in the studio painting and I never personally wanted to be out there. I was actually way too shy and uh, you would never know that now. And I would just always put myself down and I totally understand about about having a piece of paint or, or a painting that you're a, a kind of a little bit embarrassed about but you know just that really gave us that encouragement to continue yeah and- that's right I, I think that if you I mean as, a, as an artist if you if you're happy with your work then I think as stupid and sort of um, self-loathing sort of thing as it sounds if you're truly happy with a painting then I, there's something wrong I think I think there's always <laughs> That is perfect because, right? Do we ever think that it's ever great? No. You know? <laughs> so some come easier than others. Exactly. Absolutely. It's usually those ones that we uh, that just seem to flow out and you're done within uh, an hour and it's great and everything worked. They're, they're the ones that you just go, oh, well, that's, that's great. But, you, but if you go back and look at it the next day, then you'll still see something and go, oh, I wish that was better. But... Um, but no, and I think that uh, that sort of motivated me to, I started attending workshops and um, with Alvaro Castanet, Amanda Hyatt, and mm-hmm. all the, the people that are, you know, idols to me, um, painting-wise. And, um, and I, I just, I'd always taught guitar from like, when I was a teenager and with that whole mm-hmm. music side of things, I always... And I felt like I, was, I could communicate pretty well what I was after. And I knew what teaching style I liked um, as a student, I mean. Um, and I'd been to many workshops where that style just wasn't present. It was just 
run by old fuddy duddies who, you know, we, oh, there was one that I went to, I won't, won't mention the tutor's name, but. Um, well, I'm always curious, but that's okay. <laughs> uh, for sure, absolutely. I'm happy to talk about that. Talk about that. We'll be good. <laughs> that's all right. But no, like, and we got, got into the room. Uh, he was late. Um, oh, not good. You know, everyone's, everyone's paid for this, obviously. We're all paying participants. And, exactly. you know, he was late. Um, he had big TVs and cameras and all sorts of stuff to set up. And all he did is he had a, a shopping bag full of apples and he went and put an apple on our desk and said, draw that while I set up. Uh-huh. And, yeah, well, I mean, cool, whatever, that's fine. But um, he taught us to draw by saying, What's the best? He, he gave us an exercise and it said, uh, what's the most accurate way you can get this little shape? There was a few little shapes. Um, and everyone was racking their brain going, well, yeah, you can do this, do your pencil, blah, 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 all this sort of stuff. Um, but he said, no, go to a window and trace it. Oh, you know, yeah. It's like, it's just crazy. It's, um, but we, that entire, it was just a one-day workshop. That entire day, none of the students picked up a paintbrush. Yes, I hear quite a bit of that, actually. You know, I want to interject here, too, because it really depends on that. There's a couple, of course, I like you have totally sparked my brain and all these things that I want to interject with you. But um, the first thing is, like, when I started out, I... My, I had one son and he was very young and I, I didn't know anything about watercolor. And what I wanted to do is I took an adult ed, well, a college class, a, uh, an adult evening class, you know, and I go there and he put a teddy bear in a vacuum cleaner in the middle of the room and he said, paint it. And I thought, what do I do? What do I do with this? You know? And that was basically it. I'm not going to do that. You know, I just didn't have the time for it. And also about the tracing when like teaching workshops, depending on what you're doing, because like you can see my paintings behind me and to break them down into a simplistic form, instead of them getting so caught up in all that detail, I need to have a tracing ready for them. And so, you know, we keep that going. And I could also see Alvaro's work. I could see your, his influence in your work. And it is stunning how you have translated it. You know, you've done an outstanding job. So appreciate it. Like the, the tracing, just to clarify, um, this fellow that, uh, with the, that was the tracing teacher. <laughs> uh, we'll call him the tracing teacher. He's, ironically, he's an architect. He made his living in his life being an architect. And so, you know, he could have taught us how to actually draw it. However, um, that would have been fine if there was a point to, point to it, but we never went anywhere with it. So at the time when we did the tracing, it was like, oh, yeah, of course. But it never went back to it. It was just a frivolous exercise. And all we did for the rest of the day is watch him paint via his camera. He didn't want us around looking closely at his stuff. And he spoke about his, his little um, pallets that he has made up and he wants to sell. He was just trying to sell us stuff. Right. That's another thing that happens a lot of times in workshops. They're always trying to sell their actual originals, their prints, or their products. Like, I'll have brushes, but it's like, if you want them, they're there. And, right. you know, it is... My focus is not to sell originals when I'm there because really it's about the student learning how to paint. So I totally, I'm right with you on all that. Yeah. And it's, it's just a shame because I mean, there's so much, so many better ways you can teach. And that's, and that's what I sort of had in my, 
own sort of mind the way that I wanted to. And someone actually in a workshop that I did, a fellow student said, you should do a workshop here, like, because they, they obviously saw that I could paint in a way and, and I was a good communicator. And so I did, it was just my local art society. And um, we organised a workshop and I couldn't believe it. It was, it was, um, it was full and well-attended and well-received. I'm pretty casual and I think people like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm getting old to the point where everything hurts, but I'm, I'm younger. <laughs> and, you know, you know, when it hurts, it hurts to get off the couch. It's, it's a bit I was um, just thinking that last night. <laughs> I got yeah. so settled that I thought, how yeah. do I do that? But you know, you said something right there too, is that I think a lot of instructors are, they, they come across as aloof. Obviously not all of them, but quite a few of them. And like, I remember doing um, like a convention and a lot of the instructors were just trying to one up each other on how fantastic they were. And I couldn't, I wanted to hang out with the students, you know, that, I- that's yeah. what the stories are, you know, they're, they're yeah. so interesting and, and, yeah. you know, yeah. And that's, that's exactly right. There seems to be a lot of, I don't know, it's kind of like a little game that they all play with each other. There's little clicky groups of tutors and stuff and it's just like, eh, I don't want any of that. I just want to go in and make my students happy and glad they came and paid their money. You know, I respect the fact that there's, hard-earned cash being thrown to attend a workshop done by me and I never take that for granted. I think a lot of sort of seem to take it for granted. I guess once you've been doing it for 20, 25, 40 years or whatever, then, you know, it can happen. But I've been teaching for a very long time now. I mean, I, I was only doing galleries for quite a while and I got tired of being isolated in the galleries. And I mean, here it was kind of a mixed bag thinking, I just wanted to stay in the studio. That's all I wanted to do. But then I didn't want to just listen to what the gallery had to say. And I, and by teaching, like traveling and teaching the way that I was, like I know you travel too, which is awesome. You have so many wonderful experiences that happen. But I felt that uh, I couldn't grow the way I wanted to grow because in order for, like, I didn't realize that people, I didn't think my work was any big deal. So just like what you were talking about and, and then I had something to share with them and, but then to break it down in a way that the students could understand, I had to break it into such a simplistic form that I wasn't able to grow, you know? Yeah, that's right. And that's, I've just put a, um, a little, it's about eight minutes long, a little video up on YouTube just yesterday, actually, um, about a workshop that I held in Brisbane a few weeks ago, um, a couple of weekends ago. And it was a three-day workshop, but I sort of went through a couple of the paintings that that I've, you know, as a teacher, you get to the point where you're going, you're, you're repeating things, but you find your your subjects that are the, the best subjects for teaching what you're trying to teach. Exactly. And, and that's why you go back to things all the time and I've never understood the whole, um, I mean, plein air workshops are, are great, but I, I, I don't, I just, I don't want to go to a workshop as a student and just have, have them stand there and paint their vision in front of me and that's it. Like, and that's, that's fine, but they've, like, you've got to, they've got to be a reason, there's got to be a bit more to it, a bit more substance and, and, and that sometimes that just means repeating things, you know, and like, I've got, you know, 20 different versions of the same scene. But I guess the beauty of watercolour is that it's going to be different every time. 
So do you, when you teach, are you teaching them in the studio or are you uh, like in a facility like that or are you teaching um, them outside? Both, a bit okay. of both. Um, a lot of the time, um, the way it's just panned out recently anyway, in the last couple of years has been most of the time it's been in a studio, in a, an actual facility. Um, but there's, I always do things in that, instance if we can't get outside it's too hot or too cold or anything like that too windy the weather plays havoc obviously um i always go always go for walks outside class and take photos of things that would be a good subject um to, to for, and then translate that into things so it'll be the first time i'm painting it but this is how i'm doing it so i'm you know simplifying complex things into big shape and all that so you still get that way of looking at things when you're teaching plein air and when you're painting plein air um but you obviously in the studio you can still do it like it's a bit of both but i, I like the studio because it's controlled and right you know, i know that where the light is and i know that there's if there's a if there's something shining on my page and i can't see anything because it's all shining back at me and, and i'm doing all these funky moves trying to see where everything is um i can just control things a bit better well, you know, um, I try, well, I've, I've done a few outside, mostly I'm a studio uh, instructor, but yeah. when I'm outside, uh, I, I, I can easily get distracted. You know, I'm, I'm like a little dog looking at a squirrel. Oh, squirrel, you know, yeah. and <laughs> sure. when I let the students out, like, like we would do a little planner painting or some uh, travel sketching. And really, honestly, when I think about the travel sketching, to me, that just doesn't seem that difficult. You know, you're just kind of... Yeah doodling kind of and, right. yeah. then. and so I thought oh that's a super easy thing maybe have people come out here the problem yeah. I run into like if uh, it doesn't matter where it is if it's in the wine country or if it's on the coast once yeah. I have those students it's like I, it's herding cats you know you tell them please don't go out into the vineyards and yeah. don't touch the grapes and they're yeah. out there going and isn't this delicious and then we're getting kicked out of the field or yeah. they're getting so close to the cliff that I'm thinking oh yeah. my god you know yeah absolutely so. uh, and you're absolutely right and I think it's just having that bit of control like if you if you take it, I mean, there's a difference, I guess, between just a, like a one day workshop or, and it's a, cause I did one earlier in the year, it was on Sydney Harbour and it was just a, a plain air day and it was specific, specifically plain air day. And we were on the harbour, it was great. We did a couple of paintings and, but you know, we're on a path in a, in a park and there's people just, you know, it's just one of those things. It's, it's distracting, but, um, but uh, so it's not the best for, for teaching. Um, but yeah, I'd, I'll do it anywhere. Like, I mean, I'll, I'll come and teach in your toilet. Doesn't matter. <laughs> well, you know I mean, what? I, I love your studio there. You know, you <laughs> have got the best studio. What do I see back there? You've got your crib and you've got teddy bears and things like that. Yeah, I haven't grown out of it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's yeah. so sweet. So yeah, I know. And uh, I, this is where I'm relegated to, to at the moment, which is the... Uh, a corner of a baby's room. It's a pretty big room, but he um he gets in here and he he's he's about fifteen months old. But he gets in here and he gets my brushes and he's 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 come out. Of, it's my own fault for leaving him open. But he's come out there and his hands have got you know one hundred twenty dollars worth of paint all over them. Here he is, almost there. It is. That's that's my daughter. That's Sydney. She um. she's almost four. And yeah, she does the same thing. So I was quite happy with the um, 
with the washers in the initial, I was going to make that water really bright. And, uh, and uh, sure enough, she came in and it had to be cobalt blue that she had as well. So incredibly difficult to scrub out. But I managed to, if you go to this, the painting above it or the picture above it. This one here? That, yeah, that's it. That's oh that my paint. gosh. That's the same thing. That is crazy. And if you, and if you look closely, you oh can see gosh. the big blotch. See that big oh blotch there? Oh my gosh. That so is amazing. I had no idea that that was going to work. But I, what I did, because I got it while it was wet, obviously, because I saw her where she was doing it. But um, oh my gosh. It. Just saturated it, just completely saturated it and scrubbed oh it. That, that is truly amazing to see that, that yeah. right there. And that happy smile. Oh, my she, gosh. She knows, she knows she's been naughty, so she loves it. She's happy. Oh, I love <laughs> uh, this. It's good. That, see, I don't, I don't really care about stuff like that. I mean, that's happened. She's done that before where she's... Yeah, completely ruined things, but doesn't matter. This has got a cool story to it now, and um, great uh, story. And a lady bought it, I think, the next day or something. As soon as I posted the finished picture, she's like, oh, "I've got to have it." So, well, that's um, amazing. Let's yeah, let's let's go ahead, and um, I I have a feeling this is not going to be our only conversation. Oh, so cool. I I I would like to call you my friend and be able to catch up with you at any time, and you Absolutely. know. I, I like your energy. You know what I mean? Oh, I like, I like that. That's good. Ditto. Absolutely. Let's look at your materials first. You were in artist, uh, Australian artist magazine. Mm -hmm. That was my first article with them. Yeah. That was in, I think January of this year. Yeah. I was an Australian artist magazine at the turn of the century. <laughs> uh, which, which century? The, the... <laughs> well, was yeah. it from, from the 19... At the 19th. <laughs> I can't believe I get to say that at the turn of the century. No, it's weird, isn't it? oh. I saw in a new century. I know, it's so weird. Okay, so then here we've got uh, these brushes. So you yeah. use these a lot? I do, actually. That um, The Art Basics brush, the dagger in the middle, mm -hmm. uh, thanks to me leaving it, in water, it now looks like this. Oh, it's wait, hold it up a little bit higher. Ah, there it is. It's bare wood. Bare. Oh, 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 I didn't all see the, All the paint's gone, but it's still oh. lovely. I still use it all the time. <laughs> we have a fondness for our brushes. I thought you, I was looking at the tip. So yeah, no, yeah. that's sad. It's such a pretty blue. That's a bummer. <laughs> That's right. So I, essentially, I use, I guess uh, it's a mixture of um, synthetics and natural hairs. Um, nice. Natural hairs, I think, are, are essential for nice washes and smooth, smooth gradations. Um, but I, I can't, I can't get too much detail with them. Even the pointy, normal no. round, round sables, I, I just don't. Like I kind of tend to destroy them because they frustrate me a bit. Um, right. But but that one, the the number sixteen there um, is that's a uh, Kalinsky uh, red sable. Yeah, it's a red sable, and it's it's great. It does so much work. I just sort of use that for like if you if you're talking pa painting in stages, you've got your wash, 
your next wash and your details, you know, as a general rule. If I'd, I'd sort of use it in that middle step there, uh, but I would always, and I always, it's just a habit I, I've developed, I always have a pointy synthetic brush, like the one on the right, pointy synthetic brush loaded up with the same pigment so I can, you know, do little... Yeah, you get the detail in there. And this looks like a fantastic brush, your sword brush, your dagger, and that one too. And it's interesting, it's a number 16. Do you have other um, sizes in this or do you primarily stay with that 16? Um, I've got a 16 and I've got a 12 in that as well. Um, the 12 doesn't get used as much. I generally go on to bigger brushes. I, I err on the side of bigger brushes as a general rule. Do you use the Sable synthetic blends too or just... Yes. Um, Okay. Absolutely. My favorite, which is in the water. Tip down? Do you have your brushes tipped down? Yeah, I'm stupid. I, did, I didn't say that. I didn't no, say that. I, that that's well, not what I'm about. I, I say that's. You didn't have to. <laughs> I didn't say that. I didn't even imply that. No. It was like, no, no. No, <laughs> I, no what it is. And I guess it all comes back to. My style of painting and the fact that I love watercolour is I'm probably a fairly lazy person. Hey, um, hey, no, no, I, I would not say that at all because you're talking to somebody who's probably very compatible. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. And so this is my favourite. Um, let's see what I can see. It's a, it's a synthetic, I think it's um, pony hair. Oh. Uh, synthetic pony blend. It's just a, a cheap calligraphy. It's got a bamboo handle and they're about 20 bucks or something like that. Um, and it's got no writing on it anymore. It's all gone, but it's just from a cheap shop. But it does really, if you watch any of my YouTube videos, this is all over. Um, but point wise, it comes to. I've never tried that one. Yeah, they're, they're great. And that's the, that's the point that you get out of them. They're really good. Hmm. That's really nice. Pony um, here, huh? That's yeah. It was like a pony blend of something. It's only, it's only cheap, so it won't be, um, you know, it's not squirrel or anything, but it's it's soft, but you can still, it's still got a bit of spring. So. And the paper that you use, what is the brand? That brand is an Australian brand, Art Spectrum. They do some really good stuff. Um, that paper I use for sketches and things like that. Um, predominantly my paper is, well, uh, I'd say probably 100% of the time when I'm doing uh, proper paintings as such, uh, would be Saunders Waterford. Oh, you like, yeah, I, because like arches, a lot of people have had problems with it, myself included. Yeah. And yep. then a lot of people are going to Saunders. And so yeah. I have not experienced that yet. So you like That's it. That's right. So, yeah, I do. I, I love it. And I, I started off with arches. So I'm a big believer in, um, in paper being the most important part of your equipment as far as spending money. Because um, mm. no, art materials are expensive. They really are. Um, but paper is something you should never skimp on, in my view, um, because it just doesn't give you the same results. You could have rubbish... Um, rubbish paints, rubbish brushes, but good paper, and you'll get a result. The paper will, you'll have a watercolour. But if you do it in reverse, you know, you've got great brushes, great paints. People tend to spend so much money on those things and then neglect the paper because it's just the surface. This is what 
that right. it's just rubbish like the, a lot of sort of stuff with unnatural sizing you've got things that are synthetic size they feel waxy to paint on mm -hmm. and yeah all yeah just don't don't get cheap paper get get good paper ashes is great um but they're it's expensive, expensive. Now. they've like they're seriously for one sheet it's about 20 bucks here now right so what i just did here is i um I just created a desert class, which I'm doing, uh, is happening right now. And what I tried to do is make it more wider, you know, to where they could use different types of paper and different pads. And, but the, you know, trying to like even Fluid 100 and other brands, but to get that color intensity, no, but it's fantastic. I mean, anyway, just wanted to touch on that, but it is interesting to hear you about the Saunders paper. Now let's take a look here. I want to take a peek at, uh, because going through your Instagram page, I yes. was looking at all this. So um, there are two thoughts here. Now, what is it's your website? Uh, it's just TonyWhiteWatercolor.com. Only just updated it not that long ago. So it all should be fairly relevant on that. Okay. Uh, but yeah, TonyWhiteWatercolor.com. What were you doing before you became an artist here? Um, okay. Uh, I worked in a bank for oh. 10 years. Um, almost to the day, 10 years. It's been a bit longer than 10 years. But um, yeah, from 2008 to last year, I worked in a bank. I, I've been, I quit my job uh, to do this full time and I'm still married. Oh. Um, <laughs> oh, still married? Because I'm thinking after you quit your job, was it, I mean, that's got to be stressful. Oh yeah, absolutely, and it, it has been. Like I'm not going to lie, it's it's a very stressful thing because the stability of your of your paycheck every couple of weeks is is what we all is ninety nine percent of the population across the world strive for and want, and that's fine and that's good. That's a good thing. All all power to you if that gets you through. But I just I think life's too short. You've got to try things, and you know. Tony, I think that you're going to do beautifully with what you're doing. You have a beautiful technique. And I think that we can also talk as far as more marketing and uh, all that. And I'd like to uh, keep connected with you. Yeah, absolutely. So, absolutely. so let's make your wife happy. That's right. Yeah, that's, that, that's the goal at the moment. But I'm, I'm going all right. Like as far as... Um, yeah, I did 10 years in the bank and I was playing music and like gigging every week or two or whatever, uh, which, um, which is all fine. But this is really what I wanted to do. And essentially, it was on September 5th last year was my last day. And on September 6th, I spent literally all day in front of the computer just Googling art workshops the world over, going to their websites, getting any email address I could find just doing a massive, I think I sent 200 odd emails out that day um, with a little bio saying, hi, this is me, I've been teaching, here we go, here's my work, um, with YouTube links, Facebook links and all that. And I started booking workshops from there. Um, and it worked. So I want to look at your website here so people can see it's Tony Whitewater Watercolor. Wonderful. And you've got yep. your um, beautiful, beautiful work beautiful work and you've got your gallery here so people can go ahead and take a look at that i've got to change this template on on this page because it's it's cumbersome when i 
Get back I understand. I, I totally get it. You know, but at least they can find you here. That's what's important. Okay. And then let's take a look at uh, your palette. Oops. I'm going to go over here. Everything moves around on me. Mm -hmm. Okay. So is this an, uh, your average palette? Uh, yeah, mostly it's changed slightly since I've started using schminky colors. Oh, um, I love schminky. Yeah. In the last year. They're, always been my favorite and I'm lucky enough to be working pretty closely with them at the moment which is nice um and uh as far as color wise the if the majority is there um so the lavender is the only thing that schminky don't do at the moment um mm -hmm. they're talking about at some stage perhaps doing a set for me and I'm hope we've been talking to them about developing an opaque lavender color, which is like this, the Holbein one that I, I use, the Holbein lavender. Um, it mixes really well, it's just beautiful. I can't do without that on my palette, so that's the only one that's not a schminky. But if I was to go through and name the schminky colors that I'm using now, which I will, oops, sorry about that. Um, neutral tint I use, absolutely. I've always used a schminky neutral tint because it's not dead. Um, right, dead. Right, yeah. that's interesting. Of, okay. Yeah, a lot of neutral tints are just black, and uh -huh. they've got they've all got black in them. But there's just, I mean, the a lot of them are just yeah, it's just like using dead black paint. Mm -hmm. But it's kind of cool, sort of on the way of per, like a cool purpley tinge to it. It's really nice. Mm -hmm. um, burnt sienna, uh, the yellow ochre. I'm not really using much these days. Um, mm -hmm. I'm using. Uh, transparent orange, uh, Schminky's probably their famous color. Schmink, uh, right, I've heard. Mm -hmm. um, using that, and I'm using Turner's yellow, which is like a chrome, chrome yellow, um, and alizarin crimson. I'm using a color of theirs that's not fugitive called Bordeaux. The purpose that I I wanted to get to for, I mean, alizarin. I only ever used as a mixing color anyway. It was never really something that I would just use, um, which most are, I guess. But things like the pyrrole red, which the um, the uh, schminky version is the um, scarlet red. Oh, okay. Uh, that's the same pigment in there. That's beautiful because it stays red. You can do like straight out of the tube all the time. Bang, just little red highlights and dots here and there. Um, that stays red. Cadmium red I used to use all the time, but it seems to fades off a lot. As soon as it's dry, it fades. Mm. So kind of dead. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's right. It's just lifeless. Absolutely. Um, mm. Ultramarine is a staple. Cobalt's a staple. Um, Tasman blue was an art spectrum color, which is kind of like a slightly nicer version of cerulean. I've never uh, seen that. Is, is that a schminky color? No, that's a, an art spectrum colour that Australian oh, brands are looking at. Okay. Um, but that, I don't really use anything in place of that anymore. I find I don't need it. Um, I'm doing cobalt turquoise. Nice. And the schminky and the Hobbine lavender and the, the jeune in um, schminky as well. Um, and so isn't that opaque? Uh, I've never used that colour, that yeah, jeune. It is. It is. Um, it's it's got an opacity to it and it's good for like you know the stereotypical highlights you know your white highlights on the shoulders of people and the tops of their heads oh. and the driver riding along in a in a street scene or something walking along if you use the jeune it's got it's basically 
it's basically titanium white with a tiny bit of burnt sienna in it. So it's just really like an off white. Um, it just adds, a, it's a bit, a bit more, a bit more natural looking. Um, but I, I use it, uh, I don't use it very much in mixing. It's more for highlights or if I want something that is a, um, a flat gray, like if I'm going for a flat gray sky, for example, mm -hmm. I would mix a little bit of that in with it just because it just deadens it. Well, here, let me, I'm going to flip through some of your paintings so we can take a look yeah. at, and if you have a story or, or a comment yeah. about it, you know, go yeah, ahead. Yeah, sure. And um, that one there's Oxford Street, I think, in London. Um, I think around Christmas time, they do all these balls and they hang them all, all from the, uh, from the, the streets and hmm. lights. Um, that's very messy. Ended up very messy. We don't need to uh, go through each piece in in depth, but what yeah. I thought that it would be really wonderful for people to see this, and what I find, yeah. there we have some of the opaque colors on top of it, and your strokes are very uh, confident. You know, that's what I really like here too. And this is very nice and misty. So what would you, did you use the neutral tint back here or? Uh, yep, the neutral would have been part of the, uh, the tree line coming up. The, um, and the almost probably straight neutral tint for some of the tree branches. Here you have more transparency yeah. in it and with the red is wonderful. Uh, that one that we had back there that that you thought was a little messy, you had yeah. some very um, interesting dry brush marks. Well, actually, you get yeah. a little bit of that here, too. And to get the, how do you get your thin lines here? How are you doing that? Um, with a really small rigger, it's, uh, it's kind of strange. Like, I don't, like, I'm fairly, it goes, this will sound funny, it's kind of contradictory. It goes... It goes against my my kind of nature with painting is just be free and fun and loose with it. Loose painting is is to go absolutely in my book um, personally. But um, a lot of the time for nowadays, because I, I always got frustrated with those lines, those and especially with the um, like the lines going across, like the power yeah. lines. And things. I get frustrated at doing, because they're the last thing you do, of course, in the painting, but I get frustrated with having a great painting and you go, yep, cool, really happy with that. And then just a wobbly line is just horrible because it's, it's hard to do. Well, you don't want to draw it on because then it, it can absolutely ruin it. But I like what you have here. You've got that skip and it looks like you ended up scratching yeah. maybe a little bit of that up here. That's, that's so. right. There's a little bit of it. But once one thing I have done, excuse me, I'll pick it up because I dropped it. Is um, is gel pens? Okay, yeah. It's a gel pen. So if you have a look at, there was a, uh, they're just basically it's it's a black pen. It's nothing, nothing special. It's literally just a a black pen. Uh huh. Nothing ma magical. However, it's they're really good for those sort of lines. And if you do it quickly, like you are doing it with a brush stroke. It can't, you still get that break, broken effect on nice. Um, so I have been using these a lot for those tiny little touches like that. Um, and you know, you'll get the, you'll get all the snobs out there talking about pure watercolor and all this kind of stuff. And you know, it's whatever whatever works for the painting, whatever makes that painting work. No, well, I'm looking at this painting right yeah. here now. Are, are, is that in London or something? That's why I've got 
no issues using gouache or anything like that for highlights. Do you do a lot of traveling? Uh, recently, yeah. Um, but the, I used to live in Melbourne for a while. Um, and so I've got lots, a lot of photos, a lot of photos. Um, and this one was from Melbourne. That is uh, a copy of uh, Joseph's book, Bitch, little exercise that he mm. did. I just wanted to muck around with that red umbrella and things. The reds um, are wonderful. Yeah, that's, that's right. They're, they're great. They're all very, I mean, they're getting a little bit cliche and a bit kitsch at the moment, all mm. the, <laughs> the funky red umbrellas, the, thanks to Alvaro. It's hard. So it's all part of finding your own voice and your own style. But you can't do that until you actually develop the technique until you, you know, it's so, and I like how you handled your background here and your view. What I like, again, I like your confidence and your stroke. So what brush would you be using for this here? That that would be one of those, um, those little mop brushes, the little sword or kind of little synthetic mop. Oh, oh, I got that. That's a synthetic mop? Yeah, it's synthetic. It costs about $3. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and it's, it's probably one of my favorite little, um, little brushes every now and then because it, it, it's, it fans out to a lot. Like it's, it's still got a nice belly That's to it. So it holds only a lot of bucks? But it's, I, um, huh. What's the name of that? Um, it's, the brand is Montmartre, um, which is basically a cheap brand that's sold in newsagents and things like that over here. Montmart art. Okay. All and right. Traditional watercolor mop is what it says on the, on the handle. But, um, but no, that the, the confident strokes, it, you kind of have to. Right. Watercolor lends itself to um, going for it, to just, just go, just get, get, get it done. Otherwise, if you, if you fiddle around with watercolors and, you overwork things and it just it just doesn't work it doesn't lend itself to that you're probably better off if that's in your nature and that's what you want i think you'd have better success with another medium because watercolor by its very nature means that you have to be confident you have to and you have to be because you can't you can't fix as such you can but um as a general rule i mean you've got to do those strokes real quick and, and you get better results and very you know, very well said and you're absolutely right you know it's like sometimes people say oh you're so brave what it is is that you just go for it you like i think of every painting as an experiment and you just see what happens and works with it and like what you did there with your with your daughter there where she ended up putting the cerulean blue in your painting yeah, and you just yeah. kind of dealt with it that's yeah. a beautiful example of it yeah and, that's that's right because it, it doesn't it doesn't lend itself to being timid. You know, you've got to, you've got to just go for it. And you've got to remember it's only paint. It's only paper. It's only a brush. It's only water. So it's not, they're not Ming dynasty vases we're playing with here. It's just they're paintings. We're creating a piece of art and you've got to go with it. You've just got to have fun. You don't well, want well, for the type of painting that you do here, very loose, colorful, a lot of wet into wet, and then wet on dry too. So how long does it typically take you to do a painting? Um, if I'm working on a, like a quarter sheet, I'll probably like an A3 size, uh, it'll probably be about 40 minutes or so. Uh-huh, wow. Yeah, and That's what about a full sheet? Uh, a full sheet, you'd be talking a couple of hours, especially when you're talking drying times and things right. like that. But if, right. um, 
as far as actual painting time goes, um, yeah, full sheet, half sheet, you're talking a couple of hours, really. Right, because you've got that real, you know, you're using more of your body in this when you're doing it. And like yeah. with the type of florals that I do, it's more controlled. You have to wait for uh, certain little shapes yeah. to dry. So it's just yep. entirely different. So yeah, absolutely. beautifully done. And here, and I do love to see how the brush skips across the surface here. So yeah. nice. And then here's yeah. of your, one of your demonstrations. Yeah, that was a class that I did um, all around there. There's, um, if you were, if, if you had the ability to pan 360 on that, which obviously you don't. Um, I don't know the, about that. I got quite a few pictures here. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, um, it's, a, it's a massive hall that there was uh, the tutors from all over the world in there. And I just had, happened to have my little class and we're all teaching in that same big, massive space. Um, but that was, um, fun. that was one, that was nighttime at one of, uh, one of the nights there when everyone was in bed and I just went, eh, I was going to go and paint. So <laughs> it was boring. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. We, we don't, we used to have, um, spring made up on the east or in the East coast yep. and a lot of artists will get together and we have things up, you know, of course like that too. So here's a good setup of yours. So you use a deep well palette. That's what I can see here. Yep. And let's see, nice large container, and you tape your paper down. So you're using about 140 pound paper. Would that uh, be right? Yep, yeah, that's right. 100, 140 pounds. Um, yeah, the love's too short for stretching paper. I think oh. just get onto it. Just use heavier paper, and you'll be fine. But just tape well, it down. And paint. Well, see, like I use 300 because for what I wanted, yeah. I want to be able to move it. So. Yep. Have you tried the 300 compared to the 140 in that particular style? And you know what, what? I, have, I haven't. Um, I, I haven't actually tried. So the 140 pound is a 300 GSM, right? That's the same. I think so. Yeah. I haven't tried the, the bigger one, but or the, the thicker paper, but I will be soon because I'll need to buy a, a massive roll because I've got a big commission coming up, like a large commission, and um, need to buy a big roll that, that archers do. And I think they end up being, I think, oh, I think they're about three forty pounds or something like that. They're a bit heavier than even still. Um, so I can't wait to try that. But. Did you say you're going to do the archers roll? Yeah, yeah. I it's think beautiful. I think here. Yeah, I just don't. I don't think I can get the Saunders roll. If I could get a Saunders roll, I absolutely would. Mm. But uh, I think the over here, at least the Archer's roll is the one that we've got pretty easy access to. I used to paint, uh, I don't, it's just, a. you know, I, I'm not going to deal with the framing anymore on that. Like a, I would yeah. do 40 by 60 sheets and make diptychs and triptychs out of them. And just doing smaller paintings has been really rewarding too. I love how you handled this in the background here. Beautifully done. Okay a lot of yeah that's right and that's that's watercolor you know like that's they're the things you have to exploit in the medium and as soon as you start to um let it do its thing and because it, it's contradiction watercolor is contradiction all around the place because it at one point you've got to have a plan uh but you've got to go with it go with it if, if it if it does something go with it don't forget about your plan and all that sort of stuff but you've got to stick to your vision um you say that with watercolor you have to stick to your vision uh, well, yes, and then no. Uh, right. That's the thing. There's there's so many rules, so to speak, that 
yes, you stick to your vision and then, and then you've got to go, if something happens when you're painting, it looks great. You've got to go with that. And, but, but then they'll say, Oh, you've got to stick to your vision. You've got to go with it. And it's like, oh, just, no, 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 no. We don't do that. I don't, it's like, you know, one of the, uh, the biggest obstacles I had when I first started is um, thinking, oh, I don't know the rules, you know, what are the rules? And then it got to the point is who, who are they? Who made up the rules? <laughs> and so just trying to find your own voice. And it's exactly and, right. And as soon as you, the things you need to know, uh, what, excuse me, what, what your paper will do, exactly when you put that paint on there so how wet is it how much pigments on your brush all those kind of things and that that sort of stuff is only you can't really teach it it's intuitive you get and it's only that intuition only kicks in once you've got hundreds thousands of hours sitting at an easel you know? true and i think just being willing to experiment and be free with it and removing that should I, could I, uh, uh, is really a big deal for a lot of people. The limitations or or the fear of being judged. And, you know, you just got to do it. And like you said, be free with it. So we're just yeah, flipping right. through a lot of your paintings here. And this is really fun. Did you use a spray yeah. bottle to get that um, up there? No, that was just, uh, I think I sprayed it first uh, before I painted. Mm -hmm. But um. I just put a massive wash of blue on there and a lot of just up the top, probably about, oh, that's a half sheet painting that one. Um, probably about only two inches of just blue right across the top. And then just with clean water and that's just what happened when it came down. So beautiful. They're, they're the things you've got to exploit and keep it. If like, like, I didn't plan that to happen, but it happened and it looks great. So I've got to keep it. <laughs> so. And the texture that you have here, Beautiful, beautiful. Uh, I, I am so happy that uh, I had a chance to meet you and see your paintings. Uh, thank and you, appreciate it. It has been such a pleasure to meet you. And I, like I said, I want to stay in contact with you. Absolutely. Your work is outstanding and uh, it was a real treat. So yeah, thank you thank so you. much. Uh, thank you very much, Bert. Thank you for having me. And um, yeah, until next time where we can uh, get into some other stuff and uh, yeah. I'll bring the wife in next time. Oh, I'm sure she'll be thrilled. It's like, no, yeah. no, I don't want to get So um, we've got your uh, website, TonyWhitewater.com. Is there anything that you would like to say? Yeah, I mean, my uh, workshop-wise, we're all, it's all sort of booked out. So there's kind of no, no real need to plug anything that's, that's uh, nothing's available for. Um, but the biggest thing is my YouTube channel. Um, really trying to grow my YouTube channel and um, I'm not quite as consistent as I want to be with it yet because yeah, it, I know. As, as you would know it takes a lot of work to film things edit change change pooey bums and all that sort of stuff so um, it's uh, yeah a bit, bit of work but my YouTube channel is what I'd really like to um, have people have a squeeze at but I did that and I came across the episode I'm always I've I've had your podcast subscribed to for ages, um, but I didn't realise that, that Jane was on it. So I, I watched that and I listened to a lot of your other stuff as well with um, with Charlie O'Shields from Oh yeah, Color Group and Doodle Washed and um, yeah, and that's how I kind of found you. And I thought it you know you needed another Australian guest on there because um, we, we were lacking. We were, quite frankly, Australia's falling behind in. 
in the Birgit O'Connor watercolor podcast representation. <laughs> Well, you know, uh, what was funny is that, like, I did this, like I told you, I did the podcast. I just get super excited about things as, as you and, oh, I'll do this. And I have no idea what I'm doing. I just start doing it. And then, oh, is anybody listening? And then I start seeing the stats and where everybody is popping up all over the world. And I thought, holy smokes, you know, people really listen to this. And then I, I, I was trying to make. I thought, oh, it'll be a good idea. Let's put the video with the audio. I was just happy doing the audio because I didn't know how to put watercolor to, you know, I just didn't know how to make that cross that bridge. But then, um, and it was fine. I was pleased. I was having my own little personal party with it. You know, that's all that's important if you make yourself happy and, and cause no harm in the wake. And doing a Jane's interview was fascinating, but what's also really interesting, I find a lot of artists like here in the States, when I'll say, hey, let's do a a podcast or something, they all kind of clam up. They're either, I don't know if they're afraid of giving away secrets or if, I mean, really, you can give everybody all sorts of tools. It doesn't mean they're going to do anything that's close. And it also helps people not to feel alone and, you know, a a lot of things. But then trying to nail people down for an interview, and I thought, I am not going to go after people. That's one thing. But the editing takes forever. But I think with what we've done here, I love how fluid this is. I think we have a lot of uh, real stuff in this. And I, I don't know if I need to edit so much, you know. That's all right. What's and all? That's fine. That's good. But, um, it's we're real, you know. We're real people. Yeah, so there's no. That's right. There's no point. And there's there's something really lacking in the space of podcasts with with art in general. And um, I don't. I mean, there's a lot of art history things and ah. you know, yeah, all that stuff. But that's fine. <laughs> I mean, I am not interested. And then and then we've got we've got the voice right. We could have the nice little podcasty voice that's right that's right and i, I could uh, i could put on i could put on my radio voice and yeah hi <laughs> welcome you know and that's and i could put on my 1920s radio welcome everybody yeah yeah, yeah. so it's um be funny and just be silly and you know realize that we're you know we're not curing cancer here we're just we're just painting but it's great fun and you, but know, with, a, you reach people and people you know because like what you said in the very beginning too like when we were talking about some other artists or uh, instructors and how everybody can have or a lot of people can have an air about them an aloofness to them and it, it, you know somebody that is new coming in can be crushed it, it doesn't take much because we are all very tender souls and yeah. You know, uh, I, through art, we build our confidence. So yeah, that's right. Exactly right. And and that's what I love about teaching is seeing someone develop, even if it's over a couple of days, seeing someone just go from their first tentative brushstrokes on the first morning to, you know, just letting fly the second day. It's it's great. And uh-huh. and that's, that's the thing. And there's, it's an interesting subject. It's an interesting approach to take it and there's some for some reason watercolor has this weird fear factor to it that's developed probably from all the you know the pure watercolor snobs that talk about you know the evils of gouache and all that sort of stuff and but 
it's just painting, you know? Well, you know, what you just did there too, like a lot of people think, oh, if there's a mistake, you can't fix it. Look what your daughter did. And yeah, exactly. look at what you yeah. ended up doing with that. There are ways you can knock around. It, it may not have worked, I didn't know, but you, you can try, you know? It and was beautiful. Yeah, it worked out. <laughs> that was beautiful. Happy as Larry. Thank you very, very much. Okay, thank you. Take care. You have a wonderful day. I think it's a day, okay. right? You're in the beginning. It is. Yeah, it's 11:30 a.m. That's it. Ah. Oh my God, I'm going to bed. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So it's yeah, we're a day ahead. I think it's yeah, it's Tuesday today. No, it's only 6:30 here. So my yeah, time. Yeah. So right. I, I I don't need yeah. to whine. I I can yeah, stay up another cool. hour. Yeah. You don't need two wine. I think you need a wine. <laughs> okay. You take wine. care. Okay. Uh, Bye-bye. Such a pleasure. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for joining us today. I hope that you enjoyed yourself and learned a lot. And if you'd like more information, you can always visit my website, birgitoconnor.com. Or you could even go to the worldofwatercolorpainting.com. So until next time, have fun and happy painting.